Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. You were defeated, left for dead. All is ashes. Your heart stirs, your broken body numbing with the rage of retaliation. Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliation, a new board game set in the world of darkness created by the same team behind Vampire the Masquerade chapters. Flyups, imagination leaping ahead. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome back to a uh, werewolf episode of 25 Years here. And today I'm accompanied by Nick. Howdy. And Brennan. Hey, everyone. And what we're tackling here straight up is Kinfolk Unsung Heroes. I believe this is the last book in the 1997 release of Werewolf uh, that we have going down the chain, so that's a that's a good thing, right? Plugging along, nowhere near to the modern, but we're coming along, and that's the point, right? So I mean, that's that's always the good part of it. I um, remember 1997; it wasn't that far away. Yeah, I, it's the year I. Uh, you know, let's just say we'll leave it there. I'm gonna leave. It I don't there, think Brennan right? was born yet. I was five. Yeah, uh, well, I, yeah I, had, I had been wow. out of school a year, right? Graduated a year ago, <laughs> you were four. Dun, 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 right? Count the rings, the time. right? It's, uh, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, know, right? So, um, what I could tell you at that time, never mind, no, we're not going to go there. Um, so, Kinfolk, <laughs> what we're talking about Kinfolk today is to actually shed some light on um, Guru Ghouls, as we like to think of them. And uh, <laughs> Garugus. <laughs> that's that's what I kept getting over and over again. The personal attendance you know, of the tribes. You mean ghouls? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's hard to break from that distinction. It's really hard for me because every time I think about them, it's like this is. I, I want to put myself in their shoes. Here you have this awesome thing, War of the Apocalypse, and we remove this idea of a curse to the werewolf, right? It's not there anymore. We yep. made them the superhero fighting for Gaia, right? Well, who helps them? Well, it's kinfolk. All right. We got that. But they're like, well, we didn't really tell you what kinfolk was. Like, you have an idea. But here's a book that's going to make them super special. They're really going to break the mold on what kinfolk are. We're going to give it to you. Just like you like. And if you want to have a mage kinfolk or a changeling kinfolk or a wraith kinfolk or a vampire kinfolk, we're going to show you how to do that, too. And we're going to tell you how all the tribes think about it. And, 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 and I sat there and went, this is like an infomercial that I expect on Vampire TV late at night that talks about <laughs> werewolf, right? You had your werewolf. Have been telling you to run a kinfolk game and you're just not sure how to put it together? <laughs> New from Rondell. It's, you know, whatever. It's, uh, anyway, we'll stop. We'll stop. We'll stop. We could riff on it for a while. But. That's, that's me just being like, you know, okay, cool, there's the similarities. But I also do that. A lot of you are vampire fans, too. So it's something to realize. What they did with Kinfolk, they haven't done for vampires successfully, I feel. Which is, vampires always treat ghouls as that guy over there that I say to do stuff, and he goes and fetches and steps. And if he doesn't, he dies. 
right? Typically, like I will do something. Renfield gets whipped. That's what we know. Renfield <laughs> will do his job, right? Um, if there's a whip, whoosh, there is a way, right? We get that. Um, however, kinfuck with werewolf, not the same. Not the same. And I believe the opening story, which I'm going to kick to you, Nick, if you uh, if you recall it there, tell us what goes on with this story, because I think it's, it's hella important, and I will let you do the whole story before I mention, you know what I noticed that was an issue? But please go for it. What's the what's okay. the opening story for this book? So the opening story is called uh, Kage Musha, and it's about uh, it's about a samurai, uh, or as or as we know them, Haken, the uh, the Shadow Lord's uh, acceptable brother in the uh, in the East. So the story kind of sits down with uh, with this uh, Haken who gets called to his to his father's um, house, and his father's on his deathbed. And uh, and he's kind of like, how did this happen? He's like, oh, they must have poisoned me, the bastards. And uh, and immediately they're they're really worried about what's going to happen, you know, because there's an invading army coming in. They're gonna wipe them all out, and they don't think that they're gonna make it. So the father says, well, I have someone to introduce you to. And the person who comes in, you know, they take off their uh, their hood, and the guy sees it's like a spitting image of him, identical twin brother. Who would have thunk it? And the identical twin brother uh, kind of introduces himself. And, and what you learn right off the bat was that his father, at a young age, separated him at birth. He sent the brother off to learn how to become a samurai completely separate so that nobody would know he existed. So that one day he could give himself up for the purpose of making sure that our main character um, doesn't die. That That his entire purpose is to get away to maintain the bloodline to you know continue to bring the honor of uh, of the clan so that's what that's basically what happens and then the father you know of course he ends up uh succumbing to his poison and then they get you know dispose of him in an honorable way um harakiri for those that, that are familiar with it and uh and then the brother spends a couple weeks with this uh this Haken learning his mannerisms, you know, how he interacts with his family, and then they set off while the invading army comes in, and this kinfolk brother dies honorably in his place, uh, fulfilling his purpose. That's the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> That's the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> I was giving you a chance. Um, I was always taught that there is a complete difference between Harakiri and Seppuku. Um, yes, there's a, there's a difference. I, uh, I'm not a hundred percent on, I wrote a paper on it once upon a time, 10 years ago. Um, usually the way I heard it was when it was seppuku, it was referred to, um, uh, in a, in a more traditional Japanese sense. And Hirokiri is, is more kind of like a, a sensationalized version that, that we hear around here more often. Um, but that's probably way off. I, I know there's a difference. I just, you know. Look, I know Harakiri from Mortal Kombat, and that's the extent of my knowledge on that matter. <laughs> but what I can tell you, and I think, Bob, we both noticed the exact same thing. Um, you don't get to easy your way out with uh, with Harakiri or seppuku uh, and and still be able to, to maintain any, any honor there. That's... That is a thing where your lord gives you permission to die. Uh, that wasn't given in here. I, I guess he was just 
he was really sick and he wanted to die quickly. So, you know, he cut himself and then had his son, you know, uh, function as Kaishaku and, uh, and cut his head off. But generally that's not the way it's done. If you are in dishonor, you can, with your Lord's permission, uh, regain, or we'll, uh, we'll put it this way, uh, not maintain the dishonor by taking your own life. The rest of your family and clan will not have to bear your dishonor if your Lord gives you the permission to take your own life. Well, here's the deal, right? In, in this, There's a lot not given in this story. It's like someone did that paper you were talking about and got super excited about a bunch of terms they learned in Japan and about the samurai and the right to the, the way the way they serve and they have a lord and all that. Uh, Kagamusha is used, right? Did um, you just intentionally say it correct? How dare you, Bob? I thought you were <laughs> against it. It's not I, intentional. I thought you would never lower yourself. Brother, brother, I'm one of a duo that did Kindred of the East. We got to get some technicality <laughs> so, eventually, right? That's how For it goes. those that don't know, what is what is Kagemusha? So, essentially, Kagemusha, from what I get from the inference of the story, which I'm not going to cheat, I mm-hmm. do know what it refers to. I am not going to take away, because the story is what I have a problem with. They okay. hit you with a bunch of terminology and gave you no glossary to follow along. Mm. Okay, good. I'm not the only right. one that was there. Then. This is this is this is the number one way that for me, you tell me you gave zero fucks about the book you made. You threw in a cool story to seed for a book you know is coming down the road. But for those who read this, you have no idea what it is. I wonder how many people got mad that they read these terms and had to go and go to a library to figure out what is was Kagabusha mean. Uh, how do you properly say samurai? What is the, was the reason for yep. it? You know all this other stuff, and then what is the relevance? What is the haken? And how, how does this work? And what is going yep. on? And because you had to do this, it takes away from the story. However, they do recover. If you can look past who and what title means, which, by the way, is critical in this story's enjoyment, is to understand why there was a twin brother. To understand yeah. why the father uh, was on his deathbed and had, and actually had to do seppuku. Uh, seppuku. Uh, the difference that there might be between that and, and uh, Harry Kiri, which I know I'm not saying no is right, but the point is... Uh, like I said, it's 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 loosely affiliated, as it was explained to me once. One, your lord gave you permission. The other one, you're saving face with your peers, which is how it goes. Both are delivered the same way, but that was the distinction as it was told to me. Now, if that's right, wrong, or indifferent, I kind of think that's the reason there's two separate names for him as well. And in his mm. situation, they say seppuku, which I took to mean, as he said it, I am too weak to bear what comes, and the the battlefield will not give me the dignity of death because I cannot make it to the battlefield. I am infirm with the strength that I have. One son, please watch to be my second. Help me do this ritual suicide and, and go through this so we can with honor move on with what we got to do. And the important part of this story is the werewolf and the kinfolk, right? Mm-hmm. Why did the Haken have a twin brother he never knew about? And... In the story, it outlines the fact that he had this sweet brother who was a kinfolk born and was told immediately that he was not Guru. Therefore, he couldn't be revealed. You cannot get in the way of your brother who is Guru. Mm. And it is and it is him that gets everything because the heavens have dictated that he is greater than you. Therefore, you are his second. And one day he may need you. But until then, with a brother's love from afar, you must watch and do your duty. And that is... You too have to be samurai because you are because your father is that, and you will have all entitlement as a samurai would as a mortal. But you will not ever enter the life of your brother unless, 
and this story's about unless coming up. And his dad was like, boom, I am Hakin. I'm a badass. I thought of this just in case. The, the enemies have weakened me with poison and laid me low. They're coming. You're not going to die. My blood will continue on. Your duty as my son, as Hakken, is to uh, uh, defend the land after they come here and kill your twin thinking you're dead. It's a feint. It's a planned feint. He's using one son to die in the place of the other, yep. and the son to die in his place is kinfolk. Now, that's great for the dad. That's ruthless as it gets. That's definitely high mm-hmm. planning. It tells you about this Shadow Lord Eastern group and just how deep it gets. What they don't tell you um, is the fact that Jiro, which I believe is the brother's name, the twin yeah. is the kinfolk. The the shadow, yeah. He loves his brother. He's not just there out of duty. He loves his brother. He's seen him in his life. He knew what it was. He, he knows every great story his brother has done, every great deed. He's kept up with everything with his beautiful wife and his wonderful sons, which are his nephews, and they've never seen him. He's never touched his nephew. He's never played with them. But he would die in a second if that's where it was required to defend any one of them. And it is him who convinces his Haken brother that you cannot stay here. Your father, first off, has to put his son in check. Rawr! I'm werewolf. They're coming for a war. This is my glory. I'm dying. Come and bring it from my dead claws. Rawr! Samurai sword. Right? And his dad gets up on an elbow and goes, you little punk, you're going to move on because your job is to breed. You need to make sure the bloodline lives. It's everything. And that's what you're here to do. That's the hardest thing that there's going to be for you to do is to do that in honor. And you will do it. Or I will hunt you from beyond the grave. Right? <laughs> and, he, and he does this. I, I, did, I did appreciate that. He was like, I will find a way to curse you when I'm dead if you don't do this. And it was beautifully said, right? But then you had Jiro sit there stoically looking at his brother, which what I always saw was a thousand yard stare because he knew his life was forfeit. And then his brother's like, well, what's going to happen? Well, he's going to take your place. They're going to come here. Your brother's going to be in your place, and he will die on your behalf. And that did not sit well with his honor, but he concedes after his brother basically tells him, um, more or less, I love you. I love you, and I'm going to learn to be you, and I'm going to learn to live your life, and to act like you, and to drink tea like you, and to fight like you, and to honor your wife like you do, and to play with your kids like you. So everyone believes I'm you, so when you flee... It is I who dies in your stead and satisfy the enemy's wrath, so you can come back and avenge our family in honor. I was born to die for you. And I don't know about you, but I felt for the for the Haken. Right? He didn't know he had this twin. He agrees to send his dad on, and they do. And they both leave, and they're in dead silence, and his brother basically tells him, Jiro tells his brother, like, look, man, it's totally cool. This is what we're going to do, and we're going to have time together. But it comes at a great cost. And so they do. And so they have this wonderful, beautiful relationship there. And I think it's everything about this book that's trying to hammer home. Where mm-hmm. um, there's this pivotal point where they practice every day in fighting. And the Haken forgets that Jiro is a samurai. And so when they're practicing, he's giving soft blows, trying not to hurt the kinfolk in the whole nine. And one day, he gets whooped upside his head by his, <laughs> by his kinfolk brother. And Jiro's like, hey, hey, you there? And he's like, oh, Krenos, I'm going to kill you. And he goes, yeah, you're going to kill me, but understand, I beat you because my skill might be better than yours. You're getting a little sloppy. And, you know, we're cool and all, but I've been training with you as we've been fighting day in and day out. I know all your moves. I've been studying your steps. You're going you're gonna to treat me as an equal and learn that we got to fight? That's great. You can shift greater form, no problem. You can't do that shit when you're in your normal form, can you? And, and he sucks it in, and he's like, oh, good point. Good point. All right, well, game on. 
And they talk about fierce duels that happen between these two evermore. And for Samurai, you couldn't be happier. You couldn't be happier. Two equals that are like pleasant rivals of one another going at it back and forth. Until the day comes where he has to die. And much like Nick said, that's exactly what happens. But there is a point where they describe the Haken has his family out. They're leaving. He's left his brother to die in his place. And he says, you know what? Screw that. I'm dying with him. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna go out like brothers back to back. We're killing what's coming, and that's that. And his wife had three people had to shame this guy into understanding where his duty was, and understand that the mistake you're making is you keep thinking your honor is to take glory, and it's not. It's to survive. That's where it is, and that's it. They ended beautifully. So it might be a rough start to the story, but they're like this story is about kinfolk, which is why it's in this book. But if you were like a lot of people, I know a lot of people started reading this book got to all the terminology and went, whatever, skip to the powers, right? How could you not? Because it was like, we're sitting here, what is this book? What did I buy that's telling me what's going on? But if you stick with it, it's worth it. It really does put together uh, that concept of what kinfolk is and how, well, at least the Haken would use them, at least that family of Haken would use them, and that's kind of over and out. But what do you think, Brennan, this book is saying what a kinfolk is with just that opening story? With that opening, the I think it's highlighting that, uh, particularly with that duel you you described between them, the kinfolk aren't just like cattle to be protected or like uh, nameless ghouls off on their side. They're they're kinfolk, but they're like wolf kin, right? They're still of Gaia, and it, it's highlighting that that even though they're not the the quote unquote warriors of Gaia, they still have potential and in use to Gaia outside of just being breeding stock or like fetchers that example that that ending of the story is like the the the, a great example of that they were they couldn't uh Takashi let's see no Jiro Jiro was the shadow warrior right Jiro couldn't go into a worm's nest and like you know take out a hive right that's not something he's capable of doing but there are he's able to provide and protect the family on other fronts, right? Uh, I think we, we've talked like in the Glasswalker tribe book about how the Glasswalker kinfolk are used in their, in their machinations, right? Because um, being a, a werewolf, like we saw Takashi, right? As he like went into Krenos at being like bashed or when he got angry. Uh, there are things that um, that need to be done to protect the, the tribe or the sept that normal werewolves are just incapable of doing because they're not they're not human. Oh no, you said his name. There's I a thought, I thought both me and Bob were avoiding it for a very obvious reason. Oh, were we? Uh, we were, I didn't know. But it's okay. It's okay. It was said we're all right. But uh to to just overlook it, we're uh we're looking at the oh, what's under the hood of the kinfolk here at this moment. And this story highlights a couple things. One, um immunity to the delirium. They point that out. Yep. His brother goes Kronos, he doesn't flee, he doesn't freak out. He's, he, in fact, stares him right in the eye. He doesn't flinch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Why? Because he's samurai, right? That's the point. It's he, he came to training that day to die as he does in every battle he approaches, right? Because Jiro's a badass. That's what you do. However, it does highlight that Guru makes shitty samurai. I'm going to point that out to you. <laughs> uh, 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 you laugh. I'm 100%. I'm 100%. I, yeah, I know. Think about it. You got rage, Jack. What the hell are you going to say? It's a toothpick. At the end of the day, you're walking around with what? You're walking around the dice show. What you gonna do? You're gonna go Krenos. You think you're using the sword suddenly if you berserk frenzy? Nah, you can be claw and tooth and just like everybody else. And so, ask <laughs> yourself, what's the point? 
that samurai sort of little thin for you to be wielding too. Now that I think about it, you and Kurnos, <laughs> right? It's like swinging hangers at somebody, right? That's what it. That's what it reminds me of. But in a kinfolk's hands, in a real samurai's hands, and when when they are a servant, and that's what they're to do. If they're there to serve your tribe, that means the kinfolk should be the samurai, and the guru really kind of comical. That's my problem with this. Is when you think about that, it's like, okay, you're designed not to have a sense of peace, right? It's like it's like I we talk, I talked about the stargazers, right? Stargazers, mm-hmm. I could see them saying, "No, no, we got samurai because we we beat our rage. We found a way to beat our rage." So, in addition to kalendo and our ability to shape change and do all that, <laughs> we can now handle the sword, right? And that's that's what we can do. Except, nah, we ain't got time for that. We you know, the nine hundred and bushido. The 989th Klytel, who would be the 990th Klytel. It depends on how many duels he loses and he keeps coming back and the world's <laughs> worst thing to do as a player. Yeah, I died, erase my name, I come back as my brother. Right? That's what it feels like Klytel does left and right anyway. So you got to think about what the samurai <laughs> the is right now. give up his concept. Right, won't do it. And so when I think of this again and, and the fact that it's role-played appropriately, how do you expect him uh, to keep his mind when it's the, the simple aspect of Okay, this is my brother twin I didn't know I had, but I'm a werewolf. I'm not some mortal who has to use a sword. My honor is not that. Gaia knows my honor. The you know, Grandfather Thunder knows my honor. The spirits are real, and they're the ones who determine my rank in the hierarchy of werewolf as my deeds are known from on high for all time. I don't need to be a samurai. That's that somebody else's culture in another place, which granted is mine because the kinfolk and tribe, but at the same time, at the end of the day, who's more special? You the kinfolk or me? Well, we know that answer, because the book, you're like a supplement, right? <laughs> I throw my keys at you, you fetch the pizza. That's the way this works. Now, I got to pay for the pizza, and if somebody comes back to beat you up because you took the last pizza, I'm going to handle it. But uh, at the end of the day, you still doing the dishes, you kinfolk. That's- yeah, the way I say is, you know, if you're a hot ken uh, and you're going to have kinfolk, you'd want to treat them like a, like a rat ken ninja. <laughs> <laughs> I feel called out. That you should. That's okay. I love that game. <laughs> so, but, but, to, but to pin it on point, it's not saying that it's a bad idea. In fact, there's a reason um, that they have that there. It's because those who can uh, live up to the Bushido code as, as Haken are, are pretty awesome. And they have that in there too. And I do like them. Um, it's just the aspect that this kinfolk to me seems more badass than than any anything, right? Because it's he, he lived his purpose exactly as written. Always my hat's off to him. But in addition to the immunity and delirium, he had some other tools that were under his belt. Case in point, there are a lot of tribes that have all sorts of smack to talk about their kinfolk. Right? It's not... <laughs> no, it, it seems that these kinfolk come in such a variety that they invent in this book to showcase it that there's a lady going around who decides that she's a Fianna and she's heard every story, but she takes them with a grain of salt and she wants to go around and see what real kinfolk are like in other places. And she gets this correspondence with a doctor to help her sort it out. And it's kind of cool in the book. You get what her in-the-face interview was like. And then you get this doctor who's like, actually, what really is going on here, I should let yeah. you know. Right? Is what he keeps doing. And to me, it was like, why have a podcast? Just read the book. Yep. Right. Because I. I just gotta. I just gotta ask this: Is he just a doctor? Is that all he was? Because I was like raging at this when I first read it, and then just just decided to laugh with it. I well, um, I, I saw the professor like like title right there, and immediately I wanted to to pull out Chronicles of the Black Labyrinth and flip it open and be like, all right, who was the professor in here? Let's start comparing names to names. But uh, 
I'm going to feign ignorance, guys. I don't know what you're talking about. Brentron, why were you so enraged here? What's what the, the elder brother of the Arcanum? It, it's been a hot minute since I popped open Hunter's Hunted 2, but I recognize that freaking name. Mm, you're yeah. not you're not fooling me here, White Wolf. Ah, the, uh, <laughs> I, I, I might not have known that. That's uh, hmm, news to me. No way. I could have. Anyway, so yeah. Yeah, so the Arcanum. <laughs> wow, what's the Arcanum, Brennan? I mean, I'm I'm curious because every other group is in this book. Yep, they did yep, miss the Arcanum. They are. The, so the Arcanum is the um, they're like the nerds of the hunter ecosystem, right? If I remember correctly, they go out and they investigate supernatural stuff. But unlike you know, um uh sad in the fbi or the nsa they don't actually resolve any problems they just go take notes and leave they're like the um what was the name of those those people in the Anne rice novels that knew about vampires and like cataloged them first off i'm gonna i'm gonna blow up your brain right they're called the watchers and they were used in highlander because they watched those immortals first right those are the ones that we're really looking at and they stumbled across mages and they stumbled across vampires they stumbled across fey in their searchings of what Connor mcleod really is and obviously we know uh, he's okay. a kinfolk of the Fianna tribe. You know, Duncan McLeod, <laughs> obviously. McLeod that obviously it's what it is, right? Yeah. The and, Kirkin, then, and then they became like the, the guardians of the Slayer and Buffy, right? Well, no, not at all. Um, the, oh, those okay. guardians, who knows why? I mean, because it's really weird that you have a librarian like, but we get what this is. It's like, no matter what, like this this joke that we could make cosmic was like, to me, how many, how many things can you pull directly to bring in the justify like the arcanum always had that feel they never did not have that feel where it was yeah. like you're you're who again well we're the society of the rose and we stand back and the arcanum chapter forbids us to intervene in what you do but we record all things across time to know what yeah so what's your real point then <laughs> out of curiosity what do you really do well Are you just bored I, it's funny you should ask bob his uh, his exact purpose is because None of the other people in the pack had the influence to really pull this information, and the storyteller needed to make sure that the plot moved forward. So in and, came the Arcanum. And so that's the only thing I will have to take my hat off to, because um, in order for me to get through that part and ignore this, this interview, I had to go at the structure. <laughs> right? At least uh -huh. it was quirky enough to be in existence, because all the books so far now have been um, cited pretty, pretty nice. Right? You had They were all tribe-centric. And they had one direction for you to go from like, I get it. Oh, this counters the other tribe. So now I'm seeing a bigger picture. A bigger story is being told as we get the parts. And that's what's going on. Well, Kinfolk Unsung Hero is supposed to give you a perspective you didn't have before. Here's the problem. You already understood that perspective before yeah. you even opened the book. What, what does a Kinfolk do? Well, they uh, they defend Cairns. They can. They can uh, actually handle the books, accounting. They can. Uh, that needs to be done for worlds. They're not going to do it. Someone has to get a job to hold down a nine to five to provide money for what they do. They got to eat. They got to do all the well. So you know, there's that, and kinfolk are useful for that. Um, oh, oh, sex. Yeah. We have to breed with them. So there's that too. All right. Well, if that's all the basics and bones of the kinfolk, is that all they are? Well, um, I'm gonna pull. Yep. I'm gonna pull everyone who's listening to this to the side and go. Here's the harsh truth. Yes. Yes. That's that's all they are. Like, at the end of the day, do you think the fact that you somehow have some sort of psychic power that lets you tell that a cat really does have a sense of smell or can see better in the dark and you've bonded with the cat house spirit, that that somehow helps what a guru has to do in their day? The answer is mm -hmm. no. But you could play one of these guys to feel super secret and special. We'll get to some of that later. 
but I, that's the trick. Beyond it, the breeder. It seems to be, man. Like when that uh, probably the best portrayal they had of kinfolk in this book started in the opening story. And then after that, they they just went from tribe to tribe, kinfolk to kinfolk, situation to situation, and just identified what what seemed like the uh, abused mistress of of every guru out there um just kind of like shuffling off with a black eye hidden in the background because they don't want to draw anyone's attention because somebody might lose their cool and there's there's a bit of of ping pong here right of good and bad pros and cons because when they get to the black fury they dispel this whole idea of you know super femme nazi butchers killing all of mankind that draws breath and instead, what a Black Fury kinfolk points out is that we, we need men and we have good relationships. In fact, we look more favorably on Black Fury male kin than we do actual uh, any man who was born into the tribe. Right? They're kind of towing around the fact that, yes, it's almost a, yep. not even a secret at all that the Black Furies give their males up directly. Where it used to be thought of that they all universally straight up killed their males, that would be stupid. Yeah. yeah like, it, they... And how many books have we read where they're like, oh, they're, we're, we're, we're like going away, less guru are being born. Oh, no. And then there's going to be a whole tribe, a 13th of all of them, that are just like killing any male guru that are born? Really? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure we talked about this also in the Child of Gaia tribe book. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, and, and by that, I'm not, I'll not leave that dangling, that uh, several Child of Gaia male guru might actually have uh, Black Fury parents. Yep. I actually kind of very... dig in here. Did you guys notice the spot? You know how they always give the statistic? You know, like uh, when a guru yeah, mates, it's one in ten. Right. You know, what you'd expect. But in here, they actually go kinfolk to kinfolk. They tell you it's like a one percent chance. And then, like, mm-hmm. 50% that they'll even carry on the kinfolk bloodline. That in itself is damning. So not only are the Guru disappearing, the kinfolk are disappearing. So when they start talking about how they have, like, certain tribes breed their female kinfolk as fast as humanly possible, like, three offspring in two years, like, as fast as humanly possible, churning them out like baby factories just to keep the tribe going. Well, that's a that that's a comment made in character, right? That's a werewolf mm-hmm. talking about that, you know, we can treat him really well or really bad, and that werewolf gives options of what could be that is happening out there. Now, why I like that is because that type of stuff is how you said it, Nick, and not blaming you at all. That's the way they wrote it. Um, that is how you get bad rumors, like Black Fury's butchering all male children. That's because that's people didn't read, and they're just relying on hype. Or they take the first impression given, but that impression was designed to be, this is how other tribes see them because they don't know them. So that way, if you're a Black Fury, you know your own internal culture and have something special about you that if people take the time to get to know you, is pretty cool to find out. Like, you feel a bond because you now understand them. And they, in turn, understand you. That's what's cool. The other cool thing in this book that I'm going to say is that, okay, you're kinfolk and you may think you're just there as a breeder, and that is your duty. I would say that is probably the coolest thing about this book is pointing out whether you're male or female, if a guru chooses to mate with you, and they should, and often, because you got to hit that 1%, um, as it's said in the book, um, the goal is is to keep warriors a-coming, right? we got to help Guy, we got to keep it going strong, and that's the point. And, however, we can't focus on... A, this would be called kin, Kinfolk, the Red Light District, if we decide <laughs> to focus on just that, right? That's not very entertaining, yeah. either. But when you break down what a werewolf does in their day and their duties versus, well, how does the tribe survive? 
This book gives you the answer. It's just me. I was like, did you ever have to say it? But since you did, let's talk about it a bit. And for those who didn't know, it's cool to think about Black Furies as running around, doing this sort of Spartan-esque training day in and day out. They're they're fighting the good fight. They're they're going at, they're literally the wrath of Gaia. Literally the wrath of Gaia. Going around, making it happen, fighting their enemy, the Patriarchy. That is a living worm entity. I gotta say it like that, because they're not just killing all guys. They're out dealing with this entity that are making men be a certain way. That is attacking women. Femicide is a thing. We, we can't say that there's not room for a Black Fury mindset, because there certainly is. And that's in the real world. The world of darkness has to be even darker than that. The problem is, is that when you leave it at that, this leaves people to be shitty about it. Right? Folks find that uncomfortable to even discuss out of character. And so this is why the Black Furies end up being left in the dark, not having depth. However, you pull them back into the light when you point out, you know what their kinfolk do? Well, the Black Furies are out doing that fight. The kinfolk are at home... Um, capturing all the people like you rescue a woman from a bad situation she was a prostitute they killed the pimp and we know the police are going after him but no one ever talks about what happens to that prostitute at the end well Mm -hmm. the black fury kinfolk do they come along and have a network to help them in a battered shelter get their life back and they're there fulfilling that cool shit that you don't get to talk about and it is cool because a lot of people don't go that far in their gaming to get there but what this book does is now i'm spending my points and i could have a kinfolk and, you know, instead of getting another fetish, because, my God, every, you know, every werewolf is like 15 of them. I got extra points. I'll find a one-dot talent, right? It's like, why do that when you can start building kinfolk to help you cover your freaking tracks? Mm-hmm. Right? If your pack is trying to do something awesome, now your kinfolk can carry the load. What makes them different than ghouls? It's simple. Your ghouls come in two varieties, don't they? Your toady and your bodyguard. That's it. No vampire trusts them to go carry a message to the prince with any level of dignity, decorum, or saving you, right? You don't want it. Don't go talk to an elder on my behalf. I screw up talking to my elder. Now, you think you're going to do good? If you want your blood cookie tonight, you go back to bed on time, which is by dawn. I don't want to see you out here until I'm at. You know, that's it. But with the kinfolk, they clearly come competent with a set of responsibilities. They're not slavish. They're family. And they're able to hold and uphold these duties and sense of ideals. This is what makes them cool. Now, of the 13 tribes of the tribe of the Black Furies just be an example, I'm going to kind of dance around here a little bit. I'm not going to go through all 13 because we're mm-hmm. going to do something unprecedented. To save to save this book in terms of speaking, I, th- I think it's a good book, but it's a little bland to talk about. Here's kinfolk, and they all shop here, right? First off, I'm going to make fun of it a little more. What did you think of the children of Gaia having the Gaia Network? <sighs> I was uh, I was not opposed to there being networks of uh, of kinfolk, right? Because honestly, it makes sense, right? Like even even my family has a freaking Facebook group, uh-huh. all right. There's there's coordination you could do, especially when you have like uh, you know a world saving thing going on. But Gaia Network is the best you could come up with. Are you kidding me? Oh, I was more upset with the name than anything. Out, uh, the uh, the acronym for the the Gaia Youth Network, G Y N or Gain. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so what bothered me is that the children of Gaia have this network they started online that like stays in connection and they got their social media going everything's great and I gotta remember <clears throat> 97 with technology this this was cool to talk about right mm-hmm. that's where it's coming from so this yeah. idea is here I get that 
social media as it is, and when I think of the children of Gaia sitting around as kinfolk, and they're like, did you see what Peck so-and-so did? Oh, I can't believe it. Here's a Facebook page of that worm thing they killed. But what's going on? Does this violate the, the litany that if I... No, actually, there's no litany against you heavy paparazzi, ironically. <laughs> it's just that you as a werewolf can't draw attention to you, but I guess you're fine You know, if you're in the Gaia network, right? That's totally good. It, I couldn't stop laughing at it. It was something to me that fundamentally had to go away. It's like, you it, know, it, does, it doesn't fit. I mean, it had to kind of, like, freak you out, right? So it was, like, three or four different information networks that are completely run by uh, by, by kinfolk, depending on different mm-hmm. tribes. I mean, the only the only spot where it really starts to branch out, unfortunately, is, you know, the Silver Fangs, who the only thing they care about, apparently, is their breeding lineage. And then, you know, yeah. into what is the... Uh, um, the black eagle um but other than that it, it tends to be mostly just uh, these weird information networks or in the case of the uh the uh, shadow lords uh, a resource network seemingly what we have is uh with the problem with the network right to bring it back to that that i highlight i took a note here where it's a quote from them actually they acknowledge that lifting the veil is of course a violation of the werewolves litany however the children of Gaia believe that breaking unjust laws is sometimes necessary and right. Uh-huh. I can I can get behind that, my man, but like how is that an unjust law? And how is that making things better? <laughs> <laughs> so So when you think about it, what's in relation to it? It's what the network does, right? They they believe that they're not just a group of kinfolk. If you read if you read what they're talking about here, and I know you did, but it's kind of janky the way they put it out. They mm-hmm. talk about that to be a kinfolk just means you have to be sympathetic to the guru. You don't have to be born to be kinfolk. You could just be somebody willing to honor and have the faith of of, of Gaia and, and what the guru are about, and then you can be trained to be kinfolk. This is the power of the network. That they have a bunch of people belonging to the Gaia network that could do this. <laughs> and and when you look at it that way, it's like, what? That is a violation of the litany. No matter how close or wordy they want to get with it, it's like, you are in the wrong. Right, because at, at what point do you want to kind of, like, uh, can you imagine if you had, like, a, a network of, like, your kinfolk around you, and you're like, all right, guys, well, today we're going to get out of the, uh, we're going to get off the internet, we're going to go in, and we're going to handle something. One werewolf goes into Krenos, and half of them run away, and you're like, what's going on around here? Something's getting a little shaky. Not just run away, it's the delirium. Their mm-hmm. mind makes up what it would have been as they're calling the cops and ruining... Oh, we all hang out at this cafe that's in the woods near this old reservation grounds that has this weird... And the Wendigo are like, we let you stay here for one weekend? And now everybody... <laughs> well, the network failed us, guys. You gotta understand. You see, they'd suffered a DDoS attack and it went off. You get the idea. It's like, what? Right. This can't... Eh, let's let's fix it, right? And, and that's what it is. Because in other words... This is ninety seven. We're just we're just clowning, but the but the aspect is as written, even just as is. It's like you know it's a violation of the litany. Mm-hmm. How how is it? You you can't split hairs. It's not going to happen. It is because it is, and that's and that's the danger. But I found it profound. They're written flawed on purpose, right? This is showcasing that the kinfolk aren't perfect, mm-hmm. and this is also the problem with them. That is the children of Gaia. They have a weakening of the veil as a tribe. This is an example of why it bleeds through, right? When you get to the Fianna, though, the Fianna really don't change. Right? It's, the way they write the Fianna, they're like, yep, we drink, we fight, we love, we're artists, we like to do things, we're great, we're a Fianna. 
<laughs> Thanks for showing up. You can find us, Fianna, in uh, in, in Scottish and English areas, in, uh, in the EU, and then in the American East, we like to be Scottish and English there, too, and we're still Fianna. Thanks for showing up. <laughs> but the, the Fianna have their own little uh, little get-together, too, right? Is it called the, the Hootenanny? The Wittershins. Right. The, the Celtic folk <laughs> band of Fianna. <laughs> Kinfolk. <laughs> It's 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 a thing. It's a thing. Why why it's funny to laugh at is because it's like you wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that as a player. I have no interest in it. But it doesn't mean all people are represented here, and I want to bring that logic back to it. Not that I'm not laughing with you, Brennan, believe me I was. It was it was like, okay, great. The greatest thing we could do is beat the stereotype of the tribe to showcase what's going on. Understand the dichotomy difference. You get a story of the Shadowlord kinfolk off the bat, and they're yeah. Haken kinfolk. And it mm-hmm. is so strong that everything after that story in this book is destroyed. It's wrecked. Nothing in this book stands up to that opening story. So that was like mm. like the biggest problem. You, you yep. led with your best, which means the rest of this book feels just so... Ah, oh, come on. Except for one thing I'm going to point out, which I found pretty cool. When you look at the Glasswalkers kinfolk, I like how the interjection that this strange love, whatever he, she, it is, has gained mm-hmm. a reputation as being the Glasswalkers' best kinfolk ever. And why I keep cracking up is because this guy comments that it could be a... He's heard speculation that it's really a computer. Or, mm-hmm. or it's a kinfolk with disability, or a hermaphrodite, or even a mystic. That nobody knows. But it's perfect. Well, when I heard the term perfect in, in so many varieties as they had it, it told me immediately that the Glasswalkers are no longer part of Gaia. They don't even realize it. Right? The, the, the transition has happened. We're talking Weaver as a prime focus. It's a secret in their clan, right? We're, we're cool with the Weaver. We get along. Oh, um, you ha- you lie down with lie down with fleas, right? No, was it you lie down in trash? You wake up with fleas, whatever that phrase is. Lie down with dogs, you wake up with fleas, is what it is. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. but that's that's the same thing. Yeah, I can remember, but the same thing here <laughs> is uh, is is it applies, right? The glass walkers want to lay around with roaches. You wake up weaver. That's that's what it comes down to. <laughs> you know, wake the- up with crunchy shells on your toenails. <laughs> and what goes on here is that they basically they're not even basic. They're like, did you know that we're not even certain who you contacted you was human. <laughs> And it's right. like dun dun dun, and it's like how loose is your network? Could like, that have been garbage? Ah, who cares? You make a good point, but hear me out. What if we use the weaver to fight the worm? Huh? Huh, guys? Uh, get put your fetishes down, please. <laughs> right? Like what's what's going on here? The get are like huh? But the get were classic. They were just simply comical. Yeah. What are, what are the kid folk for the get? The same as the get. We're descendants. <laughs> I was sitting here with Moa making yep. jokes. I'm like, let me get this straight. So everyone in Scandinavia are what? These their ancestors grew strong and tall in an unforgiving land. The world feared them. They were intrepid explorers, fearless warriors, master traders, and artisans. Their hands shaped Western civilization, and the Fenrir chose the greatest of them as worthy companions. So I said to myself, What's what's so cool about the worm then? If you if you get got this unlocked and it's such a thing, if if all I have are uh, the the Geisum three hundred is breeding stock and like all of Sparta is all I have and I'm the get job done. That's it. Our descendants should be uber badass. It should all be Jason Bourne and John Wick. That's the only thing that comes out of the like, get uh, nowadays. I, I like this too because when it gets to like the professor's commentary, he's always got to like poo poo and bring it back to reality. He's always like, yeah, you know. These these guys they they push their kinfolk really hard and sometimes their kinfolk don't live and then they uh, and then they just carry on like they weren't strong enough 
Yep. Uh, yeah. In a nutshell, well, sounds don't... like the get to me. Yeah, we got a war to win, buddy. I don't know what where you are. It was sounds it was... like that's how you wash out of buds to me. But where do they pump the brakes at? Where it comes in here in this little interview is the red talons, written perfectly. Yeah. Right, you try. They try to talk to a red talent, and it's red talent kid folk, right? A wide, rough, torn ear, and in yep. parentheses, gray mane, and it's red talent kid folk, and basically, it, it gives the story in lupus fashion. It's like I'm a wolf that's alpha. I I'm the only one allowed to challenge the alpha when I think the strength wanes. Oh, but the alpha wasn't uh, weak, therefore the alpha rules, and we don't go hungry, which means the alpha is good. <laughs> Okay, well, how do we do that? The professor's like, I don't know exactly how to translate that. I'm sorry, Miss Corrigan. I know you're supposed to get something from this. He's like, no I, I don't understand where you got your translator to get to, to talk with this wolf. But like, uh, let's can we get some uh, some science behind this? <laughs> so we don't get it. You're not supposed to. <laughs> but the but the American Shadow Lords was a great contrast to that beginning. Mm-hmm. I adored how they had some. Uh, what is it, Julia Kamansky, the tax assessor, which is a perfect <laughs> kinfolk for them, right? She, she's up there, she's up there like she won this interview from Vice to talk about Shadow Lords. And she's like, we're actually really good. We understand our place. We were born secondary and we're not meant to serve in any capacity, but what the Shadow Lords need. They say jump, we say all high, but the bills get paid, and that's what we get to do. You know what? We bought a bunch of houses in the Midwest. Boom! <laughs> Land is good. I've done my job. High five. You know and what never like, happened? Electricity never went out and the Karen did it. You know? You know why? Because I work for a living. That's why. <laughs> did you see, did did you attend that grand moot where it was so awesome and well heated outdoors with <laughs> with great catering? Everybody loved the honey baked ham. I knew the honey baked ham company would give me the discount. Who got you the discount? I did. I even got the Chick-fil-A for the bonar and didn't like the ham. I did it. Shadow Lords are great. And then at the end, the professor's like, um, just so you know, I'm going to admit this privately, uh, the extent of submissiveness in her attitude and outlook both frightened and sickened me. They're completely beaten in private if they ever speak out against the Shadow Lords. And I sat there with a smile because <laughs> if you think about the difference between the Haken and the mindset of the Shadow Lord, the Shadow Lords really do seem like that they're the younger brother who's super pissed off that he wasn't valedictorian or the captain of the football team. Like, he was always second place, but them them damn Silver Fangs were always number one. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and here's another example. We, we didn't win. We didn't win the championship game, so he goes home, and he didn't have the prom queen. He had a cheerleader. Not good enough. Went home, got drunk, smacked her around, made her tell him he's great. Made her rehash the, the the different moves in the game where he felt that he shouldn't have had a flag called where he would great score. Tell me I scored a touchdown. You know, really abusive, quiet behavior. That's how they write this. Like Tell this creepy Shadow Lord mentality. Bed. Tell me I was better than that silver fang. Tell me I was better than him. Whoa. Always Whoa. the beta, never the alpha. <laughs> it's it's great, but these stereotypes make it even more hysterical to see him in this book. It's like your kinfolk have this too. Like there's not a cool Shadow Lord kinfolk going. What do I do? You know, I really don't know. I was dating this guy. I did say guy. You know, we're we're being gay is fine. Guy doesn't care. Um, so that's what we're doing. And then the Shadow Lord goes, actually, guy does care. You're supposed to reproduce. Now we're just going to adopt. 
Why are you going to adopt? <laughs> what, what do you mean? Why am I going to adopt? Because, you know, I heard from the children of Gaia that there's a network, the Gaia network. I signed up. And uh, it told me that I could, <laughs> I could like, get a bunch of kids, adopt them, bring them in. I found a real discounted way to do it. But I could bring them into the Shadow Lord life. And what I think is really cool is that there's a lot of kids who are autistic, didn't have a chance to kind of fill out in life. So we're going to get them to have love of Gaia. We're going to get them to understand what the Shadow Lord lifestyle is like and what we're all about. But we're never going to tell them it's Shadow Lord or Gaia. We're just going to raise them right, do cool stuff, and then like through that they'll be cool. And by the way, you can still breed with them. But we're going to treat them as kin. Why? Well, because hopefully that one turns out to be a lawyer because he seems to have the skill assessment for it. This guy was an athlete and survived a harsh climate from where he was born into, so there's hope there. We got gifts that we could teach this other guy because we think he has a spiritual aptitude. Might mount something. We don't know. But I get to experiment. In this, me and my partner, we're aces. And the Shadow Lords are going to sit there and go, wow, we're progressive. Like, yeah, you are. Why? Because what does it matter? <laughs> like, you bring them in and they bring, and hey, we got kinfolk. Where are yours? And what are you going to say? Well, they're not immune to the delirium. Yeah, but that's like, that's not what you have them for. They're not there to wage war with anything that would cause the delirium. They're not here to fight other werewolves. They're here to... To, to be kin of yours to breed with. That's the point. And it's like, uh, well, that's not the only point. Okay, if it's not the only point, then why do we call them kinfolk? Well, because they're almost guru. What do you do with almost guru? Well, they have a higher mm-hmm. percentage fertility chance. Of, that's it, isn't it? Yep. Uh, always back to the numbers game. The right. Shadow Lords will, would excel with that, wouldn't they, with their freaking tax assessors? So... Let's let's get off of like the tribal the tribal poke and choke as we be going through with this as I like to call it. Wow! Wow! I call it. You didn't have to go that yeah. perverted with it. I meant that we're poking what? fun at them and we're just basically choking out the intent is what I was getting at. Not yeah. what Nick needs to grow up into, and we can wow figure this out. But what I want to get to is the fact that they have merits and flaws in here, right? Mm-hmm. Because what I'm pointing out is that when I went through, I went, we're trying to make the kinfolk unique. We had that awesome story to follow. What are some of the ways we can make them not so stereotypical? I'm a big proponent of the fact that we got to lead with a stereotype, especially as a company. we got to give you a basis to, to work from. We're not saying that you all should make these type of Fianna and the Wittershins or this network or anything. They're not saying that. But they're being diverse with 13 different takes of a stereotypical tribal outlook. To allow you, the player, to diversify your unique kinfolk. That's exactly what they're doing. They do this all the time. There's really no reason I should say that other than I hope your head is there. And understanding mm-hmm. we're just funning with the stereotypes in 97. You know, yep. we're 22 now, right? So, uh, But when you get to the merits and flaws, there's something shocking about them, isn't there? It's the fact that we open up the doorway for the fact that there can be kinfolk who can recognize Guru on site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you guys think about that? I am... Um, it, it might be my, my Chronicles of Darkness, like, where I started, uh, where that really, like, made sense. But, like, I, I saw this. I was like, well, yeah, this this kind of makes sense. They're not, uh, they're not affected by the delirium. They're not... Uh, they might not be guru by themselves, but they do have a connection to Gaia, right, in their background. They will... They do still... Uh, have some connection to uh, their their spiritual side, just not to the uh, extent of the guru. So then being able to recognize them, um, it, it just seemed to make sense with me. Now, because if you to, to take that a little bit further, if you're if you're like a guru and like your brother, your cousin, your mother, your father is a is a guru, there might be um, 
it might not even be a mystical thing, right? It's with actual Guru, there are things we, we've already talked about, right? Like they have that innate rage in them, for example, that you might be able to pick up on. It might not be a, oh, I look at Bob, I see him, he's a Guru. It might be like after a couple of hours of talking with him or being around with him, I might think, is he a Guru? It's, it is that and, and not, right? Because they don't give really a time distinction for it. Mm-hmm. It's like you're around and they're just mm. commonalities that you can pick up. But it makes you hearken back to the fact that, well, as players and storytellers, if we acknowledge the fact that rage actually does give you unique physical ticks that should be accentuated, quirks that you can have. Like if you are a high raged Arun, you shouldn't be standing in a room having a casual conversation with somebody. Yeah, right to me. I mean they they even kind of go out and like in, in more than one place in this book talking about how the the kinfolk should really be the people talking with other people, like because you know as as players we always try and put that on on ourselves because we're just normal people we can just have a normal conversation right, but no, no it, uh, <laughs> it it does it does go that way. The part that always kind of like tripped me out is I never saw this as anything that like werewolves could do, just on-site kind of recognize somebody else as being guru without you know a couple head nods and maybe flashing a guy a sign here or there maybe draw a glyph on the wall hey bro do you spiral (laughs) there's there's things to do number one rage is a thing right Mm -hmm. so um and it's not to get too far into it but the the argument is easily made that because you're a being that possesses rage you can understand that unnatural let me take that back it's natural to you right but there are people who just don't have it Right from a predator stance, an alpha, which is what any guru would be amongst prey or the weak, which would be humans, you could sense when a human is just a human. So when someone is something that could challenge you, that instinct kicks in where they might be able to be something you have to guard against. You could easily argue they have rage. I may not know what they are. There mm. are other changing breeds that have rage, but I know that they're an issue. But we can't detect vampires the same way because when I say that they have rage, it's not you walk up to them and a Highlander instinct hits you. It's much like mm-hmm. they, they they write here for how kinfolk see it, right? It's if you have rage, there's a certain musk, a certain smell, a certain way you carry yourself. Like, if you're a guru, shouldn't be shocking to anybody that one of the players is walking around as, uh, in Glab or whatever doesn't have shoes anymore, right? It's cold outside, they're walking around barefoot. Huh. I wonder why that is. You know, this person refuses to look away from you. Whenever you look at them, they meet your gaze dead on. And they're barefoot. And this is a person, no matter how cold it is outside, really wants to know why you're looking at them. And now they're walking towards you directly across the street. Because who would ever lock gaze with this individual? What we have here is a guru at Arun with high rage on their territory. And I've made the fatal mistake of being an entity that also has rage. And I locked gaze with them. I noticed them, and now they're going to come have a chat with me. Doesn't mean they're going to attack. But they might be, where are you from and what are you about? And now it warrants a conversation. And here's where other gifts kick in, right? I want to I sense the unnatural or something like that. Is this person carrying silver? All this other stuff is about, a, a lot of what Guru gives do are senses to detect what something is before it jumps off, to avoid mm-hmm. those fates. Mm. One of the sleeper backgrounds is pure breed. Pure breed is supposed to know directly on scent when another werewolf has been born so pure that you could tell it by scent alone. Like, your instincts tell you this is a superior bred guru Mm. based on what you yourself have. If you don't have pure breed that high, they are better than you. By distinction, that's what it means. 
and that's the roleplay of it. It's nothing bad or good. It represents a wolf that knows an alpha on scent. It's the same effect. And that's one of the many ways they do it. But your kinfolk, it's interesting that they could have that sense to them too. But I like how they write in here, it's not a smell. What it is is behavior. Right? Certain get offenders might behave a certain way. Or, you know, they just know that certain auspices have a certain... How easy would it be to spot a metis in the city trying to be in homid form or some distinction? And it would be the kinfolk who watch and care for them that would know these things. Which I think is very cool to point out just doesn't get talked about a whole lot in that regard however i then took a turn because i was like okay cool fetishes i don't know how you guys feel about it but to me i thought fetishes were always supposed to be for the spiritually inclined guru because it deals more with the honor wisdom and the renowned system mm-hmm. that you have with the spirits to warrant the privilege of having one yeah, it's like, I can understand the idea of, like, family heirlooms being passed down, right? Like, I've got I've got things from my grandfather, right, that I, that I like, hold dear and stuff. Uh, and in, in this book, it also talks about uh, some wolf, um, some kinfolk, not all, not even, not even most, but, like, a rare few can possess gnosis. I'm like, all right, so they have gnosis. They can probably use, like, some fetishes, right? However, I cannot shake the fact that fetishes in everything I've ever read about them, they're, they're rare and they're powerful. And just because a guru has one handed down to them doesn't mean that they've earned it or that they, they deserve it, right? How many instances have there been when like elder members of the sept have taken a fetish from like a, a younger uh, guru, at least until they've like shown that they deserve it, right? Or have earned <laughs> it in some way. I say you call it what it is. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And that's that's exactly what a lot of this felt like. You know, you're handing out like Numina and some hedge magic and some minor mm-hmm. gifts, some uh-huh. talons. Uh, okay. So yeah, but what, how far do you take giving, this? Right, you're just giving people a reason to make a kinfolk a playable character cuz you know, why would you why would you want to play a normal dude that just gets uh, bossed around by a bunch of werewolves? Right, and I, I, I would play a uh, kinfolk game for the same reason I would play like a, a hunter game, right? To, I would to play, play a kinfolk like, hunter game without question. I, I, my opinion, if we're playing a, a kinfolk game, it's not going to be that far off from a hunter game. It's just we're working with werewolves, we're hunting something else. But with all of these powers that are in there that we've already talked about, fetishes, numina, hedge magic, at some point, like you start creeping this along, and we're not even playing kinfolk at some point. I think it's beautiful that you guys have that take because I think that justifies the book, mm-hmm. right? One hundred percent. That you you feel, Brennan. Like I, I like how you how you said that because it highlights my, the point here I'm gonna make. The fact that hey, we're we're with werewolves, but we're all gonna go hunt whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. You're just an addition to what's going on now, and hopefully you have someone to stick out. And to me, that's what this book's fighting against. This whole book fights against that. It says you are special, but it shouldn't be with Guru, right? They believe. Think about every tribal opinion. It's supposed to be, go do something that we can't do. Go cover your end, kinfolk. What are you out here hunting stuff for if we're already born to go do it? That's the part that a lot of folks don't get. Just because if you chose to play a kinfolk, it means you're not guru. If mm-hmm. we're going to assault a, a, as you put it, if we're going in a wormhole in the umbra, we're going to smoke it and we're going to put it down. Guess who's not going? The kinfolk. Right. What yeah. are you going to do? Nothing. You're right. You're gonna die. But what's your job? Remember the Haken story. Your job 
Your job is to die so that I can perpetuate that. But here we have a cold cairn that doesn't need you to die. We need you so we could breed further later on. Or we need you to go protect different assets. We need you mm-hmm. to help clean up. I don't know about you. You know what the Gru can't do? Get a master's degree and wage war for Gaia at the same time. <laughs> now, you're going to say, I can make a Gru with a master's degree. Don't belie the point. I'm talking, if you're busy running around playing a hero, this isn't freaking Gotham. You're not Batman. Okay? Mm-hmm. You're not the billionaire trying to fix the city. You're the guy trying to save Gaia. So make some space for those unsung heroes that are somewhere trying to hold down that boring half that you don't seem to want to do. Which means you got to have lawyers, you got to have doctors, you got to have people of affluence and influence to make and break this war because the worm fights on all fronts. I know for a fact me and me and Nick to exhaustion have gone over the multitude faceted ways that the worm is just giving Gaia the whole arm, right? Just giving mm. it to her, right? Yeah. Balling the shit out of her. And the guru are like, well, we're only going to attack her. We'll attack the worm. You're just going to fight the worm? Yeah, we're just going to fight it and kill it. That's all you know to do? Yeah, we're going to do that. And it's like, yeah, but uh, there's a whole other... The whole battlefield, you're going at it one way. You're not getting mm-hmm. anything done. But the kinfolk here say, well, they are. Right? That's what it's pointing out. What I agree with is the fact that it's, it is definitely the mess and it helps go down. And to Brennan's point, why you might feel, Brennan, that you can do it is because you sat saw that section with the supernatural kinfolk. I could be a vampire kinfolk. Now I can go with you to wage that war against the worm. <laughs> why? I'm um, a friend to the guru and I can now do this. Right? You're, you're, and they're a gangrel. I've got claws, doesn't, doesn't, too. Doesn't say they got to okay. be a gangrel. Why can't I be a Lasamba, Brentran? Why are you hating? Uh, I'm just, I'm just going off stereotypes. I think we know why you can't be a Lasamba, <laughs> right? <laughs> At some point, someone's going to cut the shit with you and your and your worm abyss. <laughs> Here's the thing: they all will, right? They point that out that it should happen. The Gru don't like you because they shouldn't like you. At best, you're with the Glasswalkers and Bonars, and the Bonars keep you in the sewer. And you hope you're a Nas at that point. Yep. <laughs> right? That's what they're doing. And it's That's like, the hey, time you want to be the Nas. <laughs> right? You pass us the hot dogs, we'll pass you the info. Let's keep that relationship where it is. Do anything different, we got to come kill you, cuz. Sorry. But what about the Glasswalkers? Utterly don't care. The Glasswalkers are a group where if we're going to let an AI be our, that can be our super kinfolk getting the job done, what are you again? Ah, uh, we're Bruja, we're Venture, whatever you call yourself. What are you guys doing? Well, we're trying to maintain a populace in a city and everything's cool. There's a lot of chaos going on. People are killing each other. But this one group we need dead. Sounds great. We need them dead too. But we also want these vampires dead. Everybody wins, said the Glasswalker. <laughs> so we'll go out and kill them. You kill this group. Yeah. Ah, kismet. We're done. How are the Glasswalkers doing? Fine today. It's all about dollars and cents around here. And you can see where that could fit on some special sliding scale. However, part I'm going to kick the pig on and we're not going to miss this in this podcast, is when it gets to the mage and kinfolk. Mm. And when they put in here mage rules, I often wondered as Bob, why has everybody read these rules and thought it was now time to play are, a- are you talking about like the, the mage rules to give silver claws to your buddy? It's, it's all in one, man. It's not just that. As cheeky as that is, it's the simple fact of you put in there that a kinfolk cannot awaken. Right, that if they have gnosis, they cannot awaken, because Gaia has basically already claimed them for whatever reason is what they're trying to say. And I'm like, if you open the devil's door at all, and say that they're okay, so your kinfolk, you have gnosis, you let them have that. Now you're saying they can't awaken. I'm trying to figure this out because to me, I thought an awakening could be spiritual. I didn't. Abs- uh, I, I I I didn't see that. Like, 
I, I oh, got it's the, there. I got like uh, if they um, if they awaken, they they can't have access to their gnosis anymore, type thing. But not that you couldn't be a kinfolk and, and be awakened. So you okay? So when I read that section, exactly what I got was the two don't mix. Yeah. Right. That's it. So however you want to slice it, that's what they're saying, and that's what's annoying about it. Right, they highlight that no kin who has gnosis or gifts can awaken in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, it's not that they lose it; they cannot do it. Nick, it says that one hundred percent. Yep. Right, because gnosis and the link with Gaia preclude the stirrings of the avatar. This is what I like to call BS. Right, this is a jump the shark moment for me because Mage the Ascension has always been about a great spiritual awakening, in my opinion. It was always about waking up. You're the sleeper and you wake to the powers you know that exist within you and you could do this. I think there's a strong story there with a kinfolk who can. You have Gnosis, that's but a step. You didn't complete the journey, but who says you can't? I think during the Mm -hmm. character creation process, you could choose whether or not to have Gnosis and then in that you can also be awakened. You just can't have both. Yeah, so I I think I see what you're saying, Nick, but that's approaching it from a purely mechanical standpoint. So, like, uh, yeah, like, it, not every kinfolk has, like, mechanics gnosis, right? But I, I do I do agree with what, what Bob is saying. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And, like, I, I'm a dream speaker fan when it comes to mage, right? And I remember going through that book right. and the, um, what is the, what is the, what is the book for the, the, the magic, magic places? Well, I'm blanking on it. But, uh, uh places of power? No, no, no. It's for the mage one. Because oh. the the dream speakers have one specifically, and there's a Horizon there's Realms? a not yes Horizon Realms. There is a non you could it, it would take two hands to count how many like uh, kin folk mages there are in the dream speaker one, right? They 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 go to like a, a length to describe that and how they have like somewhat okay relations with them. So it's kind of it, it it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't really mesh that well, but I don't understand other than a mechan- to sum all this up because i'm about to start rambling i don't understand why a kinfolk wouldn't be able to to awaken if they had gnosis for any other reason other than they're mechanically too powerful that's what it is right because if it has to do with the bloodline if it has to do with the connection to gaia right then then just kinfolk wouldn't be able to awaken they're simply saying if you have gnosis and only if you have gnosis you right, but that's but, but you that, can still be kinfolk but, blooded. And but that awaken. doesn't belie my point. Like you're missing my point completely. I could give a fine backflip shit if you chose not to have gnosis and chose you wanted to awaken. Why? Because you're just a sleeper, right? That's basically what they're saying. There's no way we could tell you not to do it. You're just a sleeper. Wait a minute, or are you? You're immune to the delirium, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, now things are getting spicy. So, so clearly, you're not a sleeper. If you're immune to delirium, it's clear that you could see some things with open eyes. That it's mm. possible. If you're capable of having a backdoor way to get Numina, still not Gnosis, and you're able to awaken, what's the deal? What are you really saying? What's going on? And why I have a problem with this overall is that Gnosis is spiritual power and a connection to Gaia, a source of power. Right? That's mm-hmm. what it is. One of, the, one of the fundamental powers in the world of darkness that we can't explain and is supposed to be faith-based. Well, if these celestial heavens and spheres of attunement and what mages are about are the keys of God, as they like to point out on so many levels, you can't have them both ways. You can't say a mage is a mage because they're magical if really what you're saying is it's psychic power. That's what you're saying Mm -hmm. mages are. 
that if you have a spiritual power which comes from faith, you can't awaken because your mind doesn't work in the realm. You already consigned and yourself to Gaia. You believe in her and your spirituality is of her. You didn't, the egg's not done hatching. You didn't get all the cool stuff that goes with it, but you still got something cool because you could still work with Gnosis. You can learn gifts, you can move forward, you could do that. In other words, you're too much of A and none of B. And what mage is basically is freaking psychic power, right? That's why Numina is considered baby steps and it gets <laughs> overridden when you ascend because now it's your will that changes reality. And what it is is that we're White Wolf and we wouldn't want to come up with 9,000 powers that you could do psychically. And you can tell because they're always tentatively leaning on Numina, which basically later on they use to describe sphere magic in a lot of ways as examples. Case in point, you bring up what they have in here too, that if, uh, what is it, that a uh, uh, kinfolk who is a mage can do something cool. They can give a rank three silver fang silver claws because coincidentally at rank three, a silver fang can have silver claws. <laughs> Yeah. So, so the, and if you do it around a bunch of werewolves, it's not vulgar because, of course, he can sprout silver claws. We've seen this gift. And so, to me, it's like this is why the one of the major reasons why, if you're if you're if you're me as a storyteller, it goes we don't mix ever mm-hmm. when it comes to this because it's yeah. BS. Who would want to play something so complex that you lose the very point and essence of your existence? Because that's what it is. When I'm a kinfolk, it's either that I am almost the special warrior of Gaia. And my cool story is that I was meant to be something cool as a kinfolk. And I work with my storyteller to see what that is. No player kinfolk should be boring and should have a dead-end destiny. You should mm-hmm. never be just an assistant in a werewolf game as a kinfolk. That's what this entire book points out. That's what the opening story has, and that's exactly how it goes. However, there was such a drive for players to have vampire companions and nonsense with that back in the day that now we have it to where, cool, this is the start. This isn't cancel culture where things get, everybody gets what they want. I want to point this out. We said for a long time, man, cancel culture is getting crazy. No company can step in. Everybody has to be able to play everything for it to work out. It's not cancel culture. That's that, that's us. That's, that's the fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the fans. You're using this shittily. You're taking it from the spirit of what the writers wrote. They're not going to hold to their guns because they want to sell books. And here's the MacGuffin they threw in for. And to me, it's shit all over kinfolk when I started reading that this is possible. Because what's the point? It highlights further when you get to their cool Numina power. They have a unique power in here uh, that I feel should should have been... Like, we dropped the ball when it came to where this is kinfolk only. Um, let me get to this real quick. Here we go. Spirit chasing. Now, to save you some reading here, if you didn't get it, folks, come along with me for a second. When you think of what a theurge can do and what a theurge is, there's some thought that you should put into what it would be like to awaken to the spirit world to be able to run around and suddenly speak to the trees the wind has a voice rocks might be uh sympathetic to your situation or mood uh the bubbling brook has wisdom all this cool stuff that you can do in and the chimneys to communicate and the right way to learn and the lessons therein you may not have time with the storyteller the storyteller doesn't to go through all these steps when you look at this power though in this book it talks about you developing a relationship with certain animal and plant spirits. And why not all of nature? Why limit yourself, I say, in this? But what they're talking about is is that you could actually learn to develop a bond with the tree, for instance. The tree outside, the great oak tree that you have outside in your land. And as you lean against it and develop this relationship with it, it's all about you becoming in tune with what it is and how it works to do some cool things. 
one of them at a low level is like being able to bond with it, and suddenly you gain nourishment from sunlight. Photosynthesis is a thing for you that you can do. You empathically are in tune with it, and now you can do that. And I said to myself, that's what a relationship with the gifts that the spirits teach you is supposed to be. Right? My claws don't turn into silver just because. A war spirit went through the lessons and the bonding with me to give me the ability to know how to tap into that power every single time. Here's a kinfolk that could just walk out and do it, and I thought about it. That's a powerful tool for any theurge. This mm-hmm. is an innocent give, little nuances, powers that a storyteller could give their theurge to make them feel they are of the spirit world, and if they're accepted by how many spirits they adapt and identify with to be that shamanistic aspect of it that make it really cool. And it's something that fits in. And I think it's great that kinfolk can do it too. Because it's possible that a kinfolk can teach a theurge. If I'm a 55-year-old hmm. shaman on a, on a res or not, but I'm, I'm some, I look like a fat white guy who's a bowler, but they call me the shaman and you don't know why, and you come <laughs> out to see me and you're Big Chief Whoop-A-Mass, descended of, you know, Scalp Taker the Wendigo, and you come to see me and be like, I won't, I won't listen to this white sheet you. To hell with him. And I'm like, that's okay, because I don't know anything, right? It's like, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's go to the bowling alley for a little bit. And uh, what I'll do is I'll beat you shot for shot at the bowling alley. If I could do that, then you got to show up tomorrow. But when you show up tomorrow, you got to pick up every rock that's in the brook uh, that's stopping the flow of the, the recent spring rainwater. This is insane. I'll, I'll do the drinking contest, but why the hell would I pick up every rock? He goes, ah, it's just for a friend. And what you don't know, what he's talking about is that the spirits he's bonded with in that, in that area that we're talking about mythically are talking to him like a friend, that he has a relationship with him, that this guy's going to be really bullheaded and we're going to have to put him through the paces. And so as a gift, the brook teaches him how to basically detoxify any liquid he's drinking, but in turn, for him being able to do that, he's got to remove the obstacles that stop the brook from flowing free that are going to happen as they do every, every uh, spring, every, every thaw. And so this guy has a lot of work ahead of him because there's no way he's going to win because the shaman stacked it against him. That's a cool opera. That's a cool story that goes two way. A kinfolk teaches a theurge how to be one. That that's always going to be a good end. Or a theurge who's a player who doesn't quite understand. I got to go and do chimnage. How does that work? But any player understands that the ST spending time with me to tell me how this squirrel keeps coming around and keeps clowning on me. In whatever squirrely ways that is, I don't get what it is, but is in time, as he keeps doing it, I start to pick up that the squirrel actually has a reason, and there's actually a purpose, and slowly I begin to understand it, but I didn't spend XP on a gift, I didn't have any of that, it's just my bond with spirit enables me to eventually do that, which is what this power does, and I, uh, I think it's really good. I think whoever made it, man, were they underpaid for what they tried to do, and really should have been consulted of how to bring life into the theory as a whole. Uh, to make distinctions in, in auspices, in my opinion. No, I agree with that completely. Uh, I do, um, I do like this book. Like even to to throw back to something I said earlier about like I would I would play this in the whenever I wanted to play like uh, for the same reason I wanted to play a hunter book or a hunter game, and I do want to play those games. I would absolutely <laughs> play a, a in a get a Fenris kinfolk pack. They're like, all right, uh, we uh, they're gonna go fight the hive right but uh, we gotta like hold down the cairn here and then so all of a sudden you know there's Fomori coming up or whatever right that that sounds very like uh very 300-esque but we could also do like some uh some like noir investigation right whatever whatever that could be there's a lot of potential here in a setting for uh kinfolk I almost said wolfkin 
<laughs> not wrong. I keep saying that. <laughs> um, but finally, the, the thing I want to round this out with, there's some other stuff in here like True Faith and whatever, but I've never had a strong True Faith is awesome. It's Same. just, right, it's hundreds or hundreds and later. But uh, Well, you can have True Faith in Gaia, sir. Right, you're you're right where I'm like, okay, fine, Nick. You're gonna open the door. You can have true faith in guys, and I have a question for you. Then, oh, okay, how how is it that uh, okay? So I'm I'm whatever normal mortal religion there is, right? Whatever you want, whether it's uh, I love Ramadan or I'm Catholic or whatever, the, whatever the situation is, right? I mystically have true faith because I believe really, really, really hard more so than anybody else who believes really, really, really hard. Now, by the way, we have a term for these people. They're called fanatics. It's mm-hmm. perfectly fine, and it depends on how hard we're talking. But how much of a fanatic do you have to be for you to make vampires bleed, repel demons, and almost heal everybody completely from any disease and damage entirely? Pretty freaking... You gotta believe pretty hard. I got I got mm-hmm. all the belief I need. My, my brother can turn into a werewolf. Oh, oh, time out. We're not going there, right? Because what it is, is when you have Gnosis, which is a direct connection to your goddess... Gaia itself, that that's not faith. That is very freaking real. That is exactly what it is. It is not a belief. This is real. You can go there. You can talk to the spirits who were born of Gaia. You can have a chat with Helios, right? Depends on the ST and how far you want to go in the Umbra. These are places you can go to. <laughs> Nobody else. Listen, I can go to hell, but that requires me to talk to a demon, but there's no even confirmation I'm going to hell. This thing could have been anything that said it was a demon. Took my soul and killed me, and who knows what it is. That still requires me to have faith that, yes, I guess you're a demon and mom in hell. However, <laughs> it's supposed to be, when I use a gift, and I'm of Gaia, and I'm there, and I know this, I was born of her. We shape changers are from her, exist because of her, and we could feel it in Gnosis. There's a freaking mechanic with Gnosis dots that tells me how spiritual strong I am to the really real world of spirituality. And so if there's an umber and a deep umber and all that is in there, it irritates the shit out of me that someone goes, I could take true faith in Gaia. I was like, yeah, then I could take true faith in money. <laughs> I, feel <laughs> like money. I, just, I feel like I just pulled the handle on the throttle down and then wrapped it in duct tape and let Bob go. <laughs> so I said, skip it. True faith is like, yeah, whatever. We're over here now. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's all good. Um, but the uh, the final aspect I wanted to get to that is worth listening to is when it comes down to do, should kinfolk have renown? It's very important. Yes. Ooh. I think so. I think so. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna back that up with more than just a yes or no. If uh, the I, I've said this probably about the third time, kinfolk do have a connection uh, to Gaia. If they didn't, then they wouldn't be able to give birth to Guru, right? They wouldn't be important to Guru at all. They have uh, other connections to the Umbra itself, right? We've already discussed that. Gnosis, gifts they can learn. They can talk with spirits. They can learn to do that. All that being said, they have a place in Gaia, in the Umbra. And Renown is involved with that. That determines their place. They're not going to be higher than Guru, because that's not their place. But they would be known. They would have an effect. And so so from that... They would absolutely have renown. So that that's where I, I, I battle it because I feel this, this it's called optional for a reason. And mm-hmm. I think they can't even make a distinction because you kind of ruin the flavor of a kinfolk when suddenly they can have rank. Think about it. If a kinfolk can turn around and pull rank on you, who's just rank one, guru coming in, bopping around, 
And and Grandpa Kinfolk tells you to move your ass because he wants to eat pizza in the spot you're warming in the sun at. And you're like, I'm healing. Can you, do you mind? And he's like, I do mind. That's why I said move. And I got rank, and you should respect your elders and get up and move. You know, or whatever it is. I'm using a bullshit quick example, mm-hmm. but that's a, that, that's where rank comes in. Yeah. The only reason you have rank is to pull it to denote when someone has the right of way, as it well, said. All right, I can I can see that. Let me let me interject this real quick. Um, you're 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 a new turn guru, right? In the early twenties, right? Young, still a cub, but there, uh, your grandmother is a kinfolk, right? Has been around the cairn, involved with it for for decades, long before you have. Do you still have respect for her as a, a kinfolk, as a person? It's not the same thing. Respect is not renown. I, I think it's status. I think it changes how you're regarded. Ah, but status, think, even status is separate, right? Yep. So status mm. is a social distinction of how one operates culturally. Renown is your renown with spirits. With your spirits, okay. Right. That, yeah, that the, argument got pulled and, out, but and I think you see where I was going. Yeah, right. I, I, well, so in my opinion, um, why would you, if, if you have a duty as a kinfolk and you get no credit whatsoever for doing that duty, because there are screw-ups on both sides of it. And, and what would a, a cub really know about much of anything that a, a senior kinfolk would not? Is it just because you have the ability to tear them apart or because you have a, a stronger bond with Gaia that immediately you are of more value to your tribe, Cairn, uh, and all that? You are a ball of potential, not necessarily a ball of renown. Earn that renown, it's easier for you. Go out and get it. So it's so the, hard for a kinfolk to get renowned. Yeah, but it's crazy to have a. To me, it's crazy to have a chart to see how many you know how many pancakes did you feed the homeless with as as a kinfolk when you helped out the Bonar and the Child of Gaia fair. That's not real renown. Why that, isn't it's it? A, it's the most minor amount of renown. Why is it? Why isn't it? It should be because real renown it, it, because you're it feeding. Should. You're feeding it the hungry. Be, you're feeding. Not. You're feeding the hungry. You're feeding the homeless. You're countering a lot of the tools that seventh generation would use. Uh, to destroy and disseminate that of Gaia, you you are you are endemically wrong in that statement because tending I, to I'm those not things, saying it's not renown. I'm saying it's not as severe of a renown. But right? of it's course, not... it's severe renown in the eyes of what scale you're talking about. This is where the problem is. You're trying to say that they can earn a scale of renown. What amongst themselves? What does it matter amongst amongst everybody? Right? Why amongst amongst spirits too? You think spirits don't recognize kinfolk? They're still of a tribe. So I, I'd say no, they mm. don't. In fact, because they points out they don't. The difficulty of a kinfolk learning a gift from a spirit is immense, and though it's possible for them to do it, often they need gnosis to do it because they have no connection to the umbra. That's what gnosis is. They don't have a connection default. They got to take the merit for it. Or get taken mm. across. And if a guru's taking you across to learn from the spirits, then at that point. Maybe the spirit likes you as a buddy, but guess what? If you don't have the merit for the gnosis, you don't magically get it because you're there. Right? That's the point. And so we're tying, tying in story how it goes. But what renown's supposed to be is amongst guru and spirits. I'll make that a denim. But the spirits recognize that renown. And is it possible for kinfolk to then? We see how much good work you've done for the cairn. I know it's not just the guru pro- protecting me, and I'm in the heart of the cairn as the totem of the cairn. And therefore, I'm sending you help and this message in your dream to come see me. So I could teach you a little bit. Is it possible? Is that worth it? But the question you bring up, which is why I had you, because I think you're on the right track to say what kind of my point is. Is it enough to give... What the hell could kinfolk use renown for? Because they can't learn... Well, 
they can't well they can learn gifts but it's very it's very rare right we i think we belabored that point what would be the point in them getting renown i mean because they're going to get at a boys to protected by the tribe they're going to yeah, be uh-huh. re- recognized for the service they do. They're already going to get privileges default. The group consider them to be a valued commodity. They're already <laughs> elevated on yeah. what they have going on, but they also serve and help. And by the way, there are kinfolk perfectly capable and allowed to die alongside Guru in defense of Akiran if they want to. You're expected to do so. Everyone's expected to fight the good fight for Gaia. So if that's the case and it's already there, eh, I don't know. Because I also think it pays off. You're not going to be. You're not going to get the glory. That a pack mm-hmm. did, they came in and slam dunked the Nexus crawler, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't get that. So it's I don't think it's a point of like who's greater, because we already know that answer. It's a point of, all right, it's it's different. Mm-hmm. You serve well and you're dutiful and everything's great, but at the same time, if you're a player and you're looking at that renown as some sort of way to help you, that's that's what my brain struggled with. Is I said yeah. I had a f- Well, I, I wouldn't see it as anything other than in uh, than a story um thing it's not like uh it's not like you know you're gonna go out with your renown and cash it in for a gift right <laughs> that's that's not what's gonna happen uh and i i don't think that uh that you should look at it as as, as something that would happen that way i totally disagree with it the idea that people inside the cairn would treat you with a modicum of respect or you know that the sept leader you know passes you that nod when they see you even amongst a crowd of guru just because they know that you literally gave your left arm for the defense of this Cairn, which, uh, you know, not everyone there did. Yeah, you know, it's, but it's, why do it's I need a mechanic for things. it? Why do I need a mechanic for it? Yeah, I, I think, uh, as I'm sitting uh, here, yeah. I've been stewing on it. I'm like, I think if if you were to add this renown system into into a kinfolk game, it's just number tracking. I don't, I don't know a, what point it would have to give. It, so, it's a good point, Bob, because I think, why do we need a mechanic for it for a lot of things? So when it comes to werewolves... <laughs> it's hard to get an argument out of me. Because as, as of werewolves, when you have Renown normally, it's supposed to gauge a scaling effort of a mechanic for the growth of the character to when they hit that elder level, right? You're going mm-hmm. one through five, mm-hmm. right? To ascend up from where you were. And it's a showcase of experience based on deeds you've accomplished. Your worth to the Guru Nation. A kinfolk already has worth to the Guru Nation. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's You were born with it. And that's because we know you're not... You're, your ceiling's cap, buddy. There's only so much you can do. You know, whatever you wanted to do, you could be an astronaut or a doctor. We've all heard this, but you that's what you could be. But, you know, it's you're only going to be able to do so much. Now, you can look at that as marginalizing, and really it is, right? It's the same thing. We're back to that ghoul thing. You're only going to be so useful to your dometer. End of story. Until you're embraced, and then it's a different thing. But until mm-hmm. then... Yeah, but you may be king shit in the ghoul lobby off to the side, you know, where they stick you with Guillermo. And now, and now we're on to something. I sat here and smiled because I didn't have an easy answer for that one way or the other either. And so I, I guess I pose this to everybody else listening to this. You know, if you could think of a cool way as to what, what really you can give kinfolk for renown. Because to me, it's good roleplay to do what you said, Nick. If you wouldn't give your left arm in defense of the Cairn, what Guru is going to give you shit at all? In fact, I, I'd rather give you my arm. I would, mm-hmm. I would take Guru. I would take renown away from Guru that do. Like that's, I mean, let's be real about it. That's that's definitely something to be honored. It's a good thing. I think it's a good note to end on a on a, an equivocal. We don't know all the answers note, and uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's an interesting thing. We can't say in it, but I will say this: this book's decent. This book's decent. I feel we're coming apart at the fray though, as we're trying to hit everything across the board. Um, with it, I mean, we had what we had. Uh, Haken mentioned 
Uh, we're done a little Eastern flair we start with, and we go in a completely different direction to explain everything else. All the stuff we talked about already, it's all like, hmm. Well, <laughs> it, to me, it's like, okay, I can't wait to see what's next just to see how much crazier it gets. And uh, you're not going to be disappointed because we got we got changing breeds coming up. Which is definitely, we've been talking werewolf, werewolf, werewolf. We're going to get different stories for some cool things. Uh, they have a werewolf coming up in the future. But uh, for now, that's all the time we have, folks. Uh, thanks, Nick and Brennan, as always. it's uh, It was a weird little book to go through. <laughs> Glad we get to talk about it, guys. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll, we'll tune in next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and would like to support us, please leave a review or share it with friends. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.